Hey, good morning once again. If you have slipped in um, with us uh, from the last time I was here to this time, we just want to welcome you. Can I get a couple lights on in the back there? I just like to see who's out there. There you go. There's people out there. Hi, people. Um, just a heads up. I don't know if we're back online yet or not, but um, if we're not, then it doesn't matter. But we've had some technical difficulties with our streaming service, so we may be online or offline right now. I don't know. Um, if you want to go home and watch it, we'll have it posted a little bit later. Uh, that's all I got for that. Um, we are in the middle of, in the middle of, we started last week a new series called Mission. Kind of cool because this series is all about us, who we are here at Hope Springs Church, what drives us, what we want to do, how we want to reach people, how we see ourselves in the world. And that really consists of two things. There is our vision. And, and by the way, who went out after last week's service and read the signs? Because y'all said nobody had even seen the signs that were out there in the lobby. Um, that's a different story. There's, there's our vision, which is this concept of uncommon unity. We believe that a relationship with Jesus allows us to break down the walls, break down the lines that divide us in the world for something much more life-giving. We just believe we are better together. We're going to talk about that in depth in a couple of weeks. Uh, our mission says this. We want to lead everyone we meet to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. And last week we talked about these two inseparable concepts of knowing God and finding freedom. They can't be separated. If we truly know God on that deep, intimate level with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and all our mind, then that will lead us to a place where we find freedom from our past, find freedom from our sin, find freedom from our chains, find freedom from our bondage, find freedom from all that junk that the world tries to throw at us. This week, we're going to talk about purpose. Anybody want to talk about purpose? All right. So, Father God, we just come to you and ask again that you clear us of all the outside world. That you empty us of whatever is holding us back from hearing your word and stepping into your purpose. We know, we know that you have designed us each with specific things in mind for us to do. And we know that your world cannot be redeemed. We know that, that once sin is out of this world, once we come to Jesus, we have a job in this world. And God, we ask that you open us up to hear what your purpose for us is, that you open us up to hear uh, how you want us to act and interact and, and, and be the hands and feet of your son, Jesus Christ, in this world. God, take me out of the picture. Use me. Let all these words be yours. And we ask once again that everybody hears this and leaves here differently than they were when they came in today, God. We love you so much, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say amen. Um, why are you here? I don't mean, like, why did you come in the doors today and sit down in a seat at Hope Springs Church at 1030 for the service? I mean, why are you here? What is the meaning? Some people might ask that question. What's the meaning of life? What is it that you're doing every day? Why do you do those things? Why do you get up? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you go this way? Why do you go that way? Why are you here? Have you ever really thought about your purpose? Have you ever thought about 
what God says about your purpose. I've known a few people in my life who I would consider have embraced their calling and purpose and really lived a life showing that they know what's going on there. And one of those, and you know, maybe it's because I'm a mama's boy. I don't know. One of those people that always comes to mind is my mother. And I've talked to you about my mother. I love my mother. My mother was a very special, special woman. She was also a very silly, goofy, uh, kind of insanely crazy woman. She would do stupid things. I call them stupid, silly things. She would sit there in a chair on a regular basis, and she would just make herself start laughing. She would make herself start laughing to the point where eventually she was laughing at herself, making herself laugh, and she would actually be laughing. And then this would go on for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, until everybody in the house was laughing with her. Not at her. With her. She knew that in life, her calling was to bring joy to everybody she met. And she was that kind of woman. Everywhere she went, she had a kind word. Everywhere she went, she had a smile on her face. She used to go, every morning she would stop at 7-Eleven. There used to be a 7-Eleven up there where Primo Pizza is. And she would stop there every morning on the way to work for 20 years, get a coffee. There was a gentleman at the counter by the name of Floyd. Now, some of you may have heard this story, and some of you haven't, so I'm going to tell it anyway. Every morning, this man Floyd would wait on her and ring her up for coffee. Now, Floyd was a bit of a grumpy old man. Never smiled, never said a word, never even looked most of the time in your direction, never did much other than point at the total in the cash register for you to give him money. But my mother, every morning, every morning, she would look at him in the eye and smile and say, Floyd, I hope you have a great day. Now, we do that kind of sarcastically, right? When we come up against a cashier and that cashier's like got a little attitude, we might sarcastically say, oh, you have a nice day now, right? We do that. But my mother was genuine. She was really just trying to bring, she was trying to get this man to smile. 20 years she did this. Finally, after 20 years, one morning, he looked back at her and he said, I hope you have a nice day too. Now, he may have been retiring that day. I don't know. I don't know, but, but you know, she just kept trying to, to spread joy, spread joy, spread joy. And it's funny when you meet somebody who has lived their whole life moving towards their calling or their purpose, sometimes you don't even realize that until that person is gone. And, and I realized this fully when my mother passed and we were at her funeral, her viewings, and my mother was a nurse right up the street, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people who came and paid their respects to my mom and our family. And they all said the same thing. Every time I went to see your mother at the doctor's office, she would put a smile on my face. I didn't mind going to the doctors because I knew Bev was going to be there. I didn't even mind getting my blood drawn because she always found a way to make it fun. My mother lived up to this purpose of bringing joy into people's lives. And listen, when we discover the reasons, when we discover our purpose, when we discover our calling in this world, your life will change. You will change. And not only that, but if we discover our purpose and we move into our calling the way God says it should be, we can change the world. We're going to talk about that next week at length, but here's the, here's the thing. Many of us 
get stuck at that place of finding our purpose. We might get to know God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and all our mind. We may get to that point of finding freedom from the past. And then we get stuck. We get stuck at discovering our purpose. We read things. We read books. Five ways to discover your purpose. We take personality tests. We take service quizzes. We take all this kind of stuff. We pray. We try stuff. We, we, we search the internet. How do I know what my purpose is? How do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? But many times we get stuck. And I think there's two reasons for that. The first is that we fall into the comparison trap. Think about it. Just open up your social media feed. It's full of people's highlight reels. It's full of people being really good at everything they do. It's full of people being happy. It's full of people laying on beaches. It's full of people up in the mountains, down in the sea. It's full of people just showing you the best of their life. They're not showing you when they wake up at three o'clock in the morning and their hair's all jacked up and they got like a face like they're not showing you that kind of stuff. And we compare ourselves to that. We're like, oh, I could never do those things. And then we even do it in church. We come in, especially if you're a new Christian, we come in and we're like, oh, well, I can't lead like that person can lead. I can't serve the way that person can serve. They're really good at that, but I can't do that. We compare ourselves, and sometimes this comparison trap keeps us from discovering our true calling and our true purpose. The second problem we have is this. We believe that what we do is our purpose. Let me explain. I have three kids, so it would be real easy for me to say my purpose in this world is to be a dad. I might be really good at crunching numbers, so I could say my purpose in this world is to be an accountant. I'm really good at playing the piano, so my purpose in this world must be to be a performer. The things that we do, we often just assume those are our purpose in this world, and sometimes we get stuck really, really knowing what God has for us and what God wants for us. But you want to know a secret? Anybody want to know a secret? This isn't a secret. We are all called to the same purpose every one of us we're all called to the same purpose it's not a secret at all and it's not really our purpose if we look at the entire story of god's word and we got to remember that god's word is not just 66 books that we can read pick up and put back down again god's Word is an entire story of God acting in this world for humanity. And if we look at that whole entire story, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, God created what? A perfect world. God created man and woman. God created humanity. And it was a time when God and humans were walking around together in community. It was perfect. In fact, God himself looked at the world and he said, it is good. The world didn't need redemption. The world didn't need fixing. The world wasn't broken. But then if we fast forward all the way to the end, Revelation chapter 21, we see that there is a new heaven and a new earth, that the world has been redeemed, which means that something happened in between point A and point B that went off the rails. And that's what happened. We messed it up. Sin entered the world. Things got off track. Our train got derailed. The track started going like this. We did all kinds of stuff showing our disobedience to God. And so the world needed something. 
And all through God's word, he has used people, regular people, people like you, people like me. He used Noah. He said, I've had enough with this sin. I'm going to pick the people I want to keep going. He used Noah to keep the human race going. He used Abraham to be the father of many nations. He used Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers out of jealousy, to do great and amazing things. He's used prophets, and he's used judges, and he's used a woman named Esther to save the Jewish race. He used a little boy named David, a woman named Ruth, an apostle named Paul. Regular people, regular people serving God's purpose. So by now, you might be asking, what is the purpose? Anybody asking that? What is God's purpose for us? And we read this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus himself tells us this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what's happening, folks. Because sin has entered the world, only Jesus can take away our sin. But all the brokenness in this world, God leaves to us time and time and time again throughout all of history until Jesus returns, until the new heaven and the new earth come. God is continuously redeeming this world. God is continuously reaching down with hands and feet and healing the broken, healing the sick, healing the the, the people who just can't go on anymore. We, we are called to shine the light in this world. We are called to break the darkness. We are called to bring hope to those who have no hope. We are called to lift up those who can't lift themselves up. We are called to love with the heart of Jesus. We are called to minister to the world. We are called to serve the world. Our purpose is not a secret. It is what it always has been. Our purpose is to be God's agents of redemption in this world. Our purpose is to be his hands, his feet. God could choose to just come down and fix it all. But he wants us to do it. He calls on us. And he says, you, you who have called me Lord by name, you who have put your faith in me, I want you to go out and help me fix this broken world. And it's the same for every one of us. And BT dubs, by the way, it is not optional. God's not just suggesting this might be the way we go about life. God's not just suggesting that if you want, you can ignore this. You can't make excuses. You can't put it off. You can't do what we like to do and say, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. It's not optional. James, the stepbrother, half-brother, whatever you call it, I got corrected on that one day for calling James the brother of Jesus. Somebody actually stood up and said, he's not Jesus' real brother. I said, yes, I know, I know. James writes this. He says, what good is it, brothers and sisters? Now, when James says brothers and sisters, he means people who are Christians, followers of Jesus, people who have put their faith in Jesus. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James is not saying that we are saved by our good works. He is saying that we are saved For our good works. We are saved and we are called to light up this world. Not what we normally do, which is when somebody has a problem, we see somebody, somebody posts something, oh, please, 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 and we say this, I'll pray for you. And then we don't pray. Then we don't do anything. I'll pray for you. That's just a great way of doing exactly what James said. If somebody needs something and you just say, be well and have a nice day, what good are we doing? You wouldn't do that with your kids. If your kid came to you and said, I'm hungry, you wouldn't say, oh, well, get something to eat and have a nice day. We'd fix them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something like that. Or, you know, I mean, um, teach them how to use a microwave. I don't know. Teach a man to fish. He eats for a lifetime. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But. But, but our faith, this is what James is saying, our faith is made real when we work to redeem God's world. It puts legs on our faith. It's one thing to put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. But he says, once you do that, something needs to change. Once you know God on that level, once you have found freedom from all the chains that have bound you in the past, then it's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to start walking. It's time to be my agents of redemption in this world. Not optional. But knowing our purpose, and that's a great purpose, wouldn't you all agree? Knowing our purpose is not the same as knowing how to fulfill our purpose. It's not the same as knowing what exactly it is we're supposed to do to fulfill that purpose. You see, there's purpose and then there's calling or gifts. Some people may call them one or the other. Because each one of us has something different. Each one of us has something to contribute. You don't have the same things I have. And I don't have the same things you have. And you don't have the same things that she has. And he doesn't have the same things that you have. And this is a great thing. This is a great thing because if we all had the same thing, probably nothing would get done. So God, this is what Paul says in his letter to the church in Corinth. He says, now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He wants to make it absolutely clear that we know what's going on here. Verse four, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. He's saying the Holy Spirit, if we come to Jesus in faith and we ask the Holy Spirit and we cooperate, the Holy Spirit will reveal in us exactly that thing or those things that we are supposed to be doing to work as God's agents of redemption in this world. And everybody gets them. Everybody. They're not all the same. Ain't nobody here like Charlie Brown, Great Pumpkin. Ain't nobody out there being like, oh, I got a rock. No. Ain't no rocks being handed out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will call you to do exactly what the Holy Spirit wants for you to do. He calls us to his purpose and he gives each of us exactly what we need to fulfill that purpose. It's great. We're all equipped differently to achieve a single purpose purpose it's kind of like baking a cake right the cake has one purpose i prefer pie covered with whipped cream but let's talk about cake for today 
Cake has one purpose, to be delicious, to be nice and moist with a buttercream frosting so that it can feel good in my tummy, and we want some more. Cake has one purpose. But that cake is made up of a bunch of stuff. That cake is made up of flour and baking soda or baking. I don't know how to bake a cake, by the way, so these might all be wrong. Uh, baking soda. I know there's some oil in there. There's some eggs in there. There's no yeast in cakes, right? That's not cake. Right, right. It's bread. I got it. But all those things have a purpose. All those things serve a purpose. They have a calling. But if you were to eat flour by itself, that probably would not be so great. If you were to just guzzle a whole bottle of vegetable oil, you'd probably get sick. Gone are the days when I down raw eggs because I think I'm all cool and stuff. I don't do that anymore, and I don't eat goldfish either. And, you know, it's just, you know, I don't do those things anymore. But you put them all together. You mix them all up in the right, in the right formula, in the right, ingre- in the right levels, in the right measurements. And what comes out? One big old delicious cake. You put some nice buttercream icing on there, frosting, and it, man, it is just great. We are baking a big old Jesus cake in this world, folks. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And it calls for different ingredients. It calls for each of us to know and respond to the gifts and the callings that the Holy Spirit puts on our lives to work towards our one singular purpose, which is to redeem this world, to show the light, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so if you're having trouble, I want to spend some time today kind of giving us a little bit of pointer maybe, on how we can work with the Holy Spirit to discover what he calls us to do in this world. And some of these things might be so obvious, you're like, duh, Pastor Chris, whatever. You haven't thought about it. Write it down. You listen to what I'm saying here. They might be obvious. That's okay. Uh, just, you know, bear with me, all right? If you want to check out, check out. The first of those is our natural talents. If you've ever coached somebody... If you've ever mentored somebody, if you've ever worked with somebody in that kind of relationship, every once in a while, there is just somebody who is amazingly talented at something. I taught piano for five or six years when I was going through high school and college and probably taught about 50 students. Out of those 50 students, I would say one of those students was somebody I would say this person has the potential to be an amazing musician. All of us have something, our natural talent, something that we are naturally gifted with that may, now don't say that that is your calling, that may lead you to your calling. It's that one thing that you're really good at. It's that one thing that you, you, you can knock out of the park every time. God might use that. He also might not. Bear with me. He also might not. We have natural talents, then we have inward desires. And I'm not talking about our inward sinful desires. God is not going to use our affinity to click on that website at 3 o'clock in the morning for his good. He's not going to use our desire to spread gossip for his good. He's not going to use our anger for his good. I'm talking about these things where God gives you a desire when you see something and you know that it's from God that says you got to get up and do something in this world. When you see something and God says move, that's an inward desire placed there by God. That might lead you to what you're being called to. And sometimes these things are things that you would never even think about doing, by the way. So be careful. When you start praying, he's going to start answering. Number three is results and fruit. 
And this is important. And I want to be absolutely clear here. That if the thing you're doing is not producing the kind of fruit that God speaks about in his word, it is not your calling. Because so often we go out and we serve and we do something, we feed the homeless, we clothe the, the, we give clothes to people, we give money to people, we do things, and then we're like, selfie, serving, right? It's all about us. So often in this world, because we like to do what the world does, what we believe we're doing for God is really for us. And so when we look at those things, we've got to look at the results and the fruit. Is it having an eternal effect in the world? And more importantly, does it glorify God? Because if those answers are no, then that's probably not your calling and it's probably something you should avoid. Number four is passions and convictions. We all have different things. Maybe yours is you are really passionate about keeping all the plastic straws out of the ocean so the sea turtles don't swallow them. I still don't know how a sea turtle can swallow a plastic straw, but I'm okay with that. Maybe it's blue whales. Maybe it's the ozone layer. Maybe it's, you know, kids in third world countries. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's those puppies that play on the commercials with the really sad songs. And I don't know. Everybody's got something that you are convicted about, that you are passionate about in this world. And maybe, maybe that is what God is calling you to do as his hands and feet in this world. Whatever that might be. Natural talents, inward desires, results in fruit passions and convictions, and opportunity. This is the one we miss all the time. Because we walk through this world like this. We get so focused on us. We get so focused on our problems. We get so focused on protecting ourselves. We get so focused on me. We get so focused on all the things that center around me that we miss what God is putting right in front of us. And I will guarantee you this. From the minute you leave these doors today, God will be putting people in front of you. Everywhere you go, everything you do, every every post you see on Facebook, every person you meet at the grocery store, the guy putting gas in his car right next to you. We have to take the opportunities because God is always opening doors in front of us to be his hands and feet in this world. Strike up a conversation, ask people how they're doing. Sometimes it's even just a smile like my mom and Floyd. It took her 20 years, but he finally smiled back, you know, and it might not be immediate, but also God is closing doors for you as well. So there might be times when you keep beating that door down, when you keep knocking on that door and he's got it slammed shut. What we like to do is we like to walk around the door and open up the window and go through when God's saying, stop, use your, use your time and your talents elsewhere. So opportunity is a, is a big way that God can put things in front of us or close things off for us to use our gifts and our talents and our calling to serve his purpose. So let me recap. Natural talents. Inward desires, results in fruit, passions and convictions, opportunity. And the final, and what I think the most important one is, is pray. Prayer. 
This is the biggest thing we can do. This is the most important thing we can do. And so often we'll pray prayers, but are we praying for the Holy Spirit to show us our calling? Are we praying for the Holy Spirit to fill us with the gift that's already planned out for us, by the way? He's already got it. God's already got it written down in his book. These are the things that Pastor Chris is supposed to be doing in this world. We just need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us We've got to spend time in prayer on this. We can't just be like, oh, God, thank you for this day. Help me get to work on time. Amen. We've got to spend some time praying. Maybe it's our natural talents. Maybe it's our inward desires. Maybe it's the opportunity or our passions and convictions. And maybe it's not. If we don't pray, if we don't ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and to show us, we'll end up going down a path that might not be what God wants. We always go down the path of least least, least resistance right and and i'm going to show you in a minute that that's not always what god has planned and all these things might be obvious i know they are if we think about them if we're honest with ourselves we all know these things and yet we still get stuck we still get to this place where it's like a speed bump that we can't get over. It's like a mountain we can't climb. We think it's such a hard thing to do. We're like, oh, I'm just not ready. I've only been a Christian for six years. I'm not ready to serve yet. That was a joke, by the way. I'm going through something right now. It's just not a good time for me to serve. It's just not a good time for me to be the hands and feet of God. I got no experience. I don't know the word of God well enough to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And listen, all those things might be true. They might be. So what? So what? We have to understand that our purpose is always bigger than us. Our purpose is always Bigger than our fears, our purpose is always bigger than our readiness, our purpose is always bigger than what we think we can do. God calls us to big, fat, hairy things in this world, and he says, you step out, I'm going to make sure that you're equipped for it. All through scripture, he's done this. Little David, little David, little David comes up against Goliath. I just listened to a sermon by David Jeremiah, and he said they did research, and by all accounts, Goliath would have been nine foot six inches tall to nine foot nine inches tall. David was a teenager. He was only at the front line to bring lunch to his brothers. You think that wasn't bigger than David? Absolutely it was. What about Abraham? God said to Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. And he gave him one son. Now, if you're doing the math, that would mean that that one son would then have to go out and procreate to become the father of many nations. But then God said, oh, wait a minute, Abraham. In a dream, he said, you're going to go take your son. You're going to take him up the hill and you're going to sacrifice him. And that's so weird to us. I know it's so weird. We don't understand all the things that God does. And Abraham was like, could have been, well, you know, if I do that, you can't really mean that because if I did that, then I couldn't be the father of many nations and I'm just going to not do what you want. It was way bigger than Abraham. Now, God did provide a sacrifice that was not Isaac. Yes, God, because God does that kind of thing. What about Paul? Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament. Paul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul, who would have never, ever, ever sat down and even talked to a Gentile, somebody who wasn't Jewish. What did God do with him? He 
met him on the Damascus Road. And he said, I know who you are. And I'm calling you to spread my gospel to the Gentiles. Way bigger than Paul. Jonah. Young Jonah. Young, impetuous Jonah. God's like, go over and preach to Nineveh because they're all off track. They're rotten. They're all jacked up. And then he's like, nope. I'm not going. I'm going the other way. Way bigger than him. Way bigger than him. You. 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 God is putting something on your heart. Maybe he's doing it right now. Maybe he's been doing it. Maybe you're like, I don't know if this is from God or not. It probably is. And you're like, oh, I'm just not ready. I can't do that. No way. I'm, I'm still hurting from the last thing I tried. I'm, I'm just in this place where my anxiety is so, so, so bad that I can't even get up in the morning. It's, you know, I, my heart starts racing and I'm not equipped to serve and I haven't been doing this long enough and I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. And when we say that, God says, good. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. That's what God does. He calls us to a purpose that's always bigger than us. And we have to be careful. Because we, like I said, we like to go towards the path of least resistance. And, and when I came back to walking with Jesus again, after being away from him for so many years... The first thing I did in a ministry capacity was to play on the worship team. I was pretty cool with that. I was like, I finally get to use this talent that God gave me to serve, play on the worship team. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. People like it. I like it. I'm having fun. I'm worshiping God. I'm praising God. I started to think, well, my track here is I'm going to be a worship pastor. I'm going to be a worship leader. That's what I'm going to do. I know that's what God's calling me to do. I know that what that's what God's calling me to do. We started Hope Springs Church. Guess what I did? I was the worship pastor. I was leading worship. I was doing all that kind of stuff. Stuff. But you know what God did? <laughs> he said, no, that's not it. He said, I want you to stand up here and I want you to preach my word. I told you guys I failed speech class four times, right? Still to this day, I am terrified of public speaking. This is so much bigger than me. I could have said no way. I can't do it. I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. And you know what? I am not. I was not. Ain't no way. It was way bigger than I could ever imagine. But we have to be careful. There's two things I want to say here. We have to be careful, first of all, not to impose our easy on God's purpose for us. We have to be careful not to take the thing that we love to do and say, that must be what God is calling me to do. It might be, but it might not be. This is why we have to pray, we have to discern, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. The other thing we have to be careful of is not saying no. Just because it's scary. Just because we're not prepared. This is what keeps all of us, if we're honest, from walking in our purpose to be God's agents of redemption in this world. This is what keeps all of us from really asking the Holy Spirit to show us our calling and our gifts. Is we're scared. We're afraid. We think we're not good enough. We think we can't do it. But God, but God says you can. And if he calls you to it, he's going to make absolutely sure that he's going to prepare you and, and walk with you through whatever it is he's calling you to.
This is his plan. We were designed on purpose and for purpose. This is his plan. And if we want this abundant life that Jesus promises, he says, I came that you can have life and have it abundantly. If we want that joy in our life, if we want the fulfillment that he promises, if you want spiritual growth, by the way, if you want to walk closer and closer and closer to God every day, then the way to do that is to embrace your purpose, to step out, to be his hands and feet. It's what you were designed for. He says, you are my masterpiece, created to do good works, which I have already planned out before you were even on this earth. I have created you to be my hands and feet. We have to step into that, no matter how scary it is, no matter how afraid we are. No matter how under-equipped we think we might be. You never know what God will do with you. You never know if you just surrender yourself to his calling and his purpose in your life. What a difference we can all make. It's what he wants for each one of us. And maybe today you walked in here and you're just feeling a little bit empty. Maybe you're feeling a little bit useless. Like, I don't know what I'm even supposed to be doing in this world. You're just in this place where you think life is pointless. You're on that big spinning wheel that the hamsters, you know, over and over and over and over again, just kind of rinse and repeat. Every day's the same. Woe is me, walking around with an Eeyore cloud over top of you. Oh, bother. It doesn't have to be that way. That's not what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to embrace your purpose. He wants you to come to him in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to show you where to step out. And that takes an act of faith to go out into that sea, to go out onto those waves that you don't know anything about. And you'd be surprised what happens. You know, Jesus lived his whole life for purpose. He knew what his purpose was. He knew what his mission was. He knew what his calling was. And for 33 years, he never let one thing keep him from that purpose. He never let one thing detract him from his mission. He could have. He was fully human. He could have succumbed to the world. He could have been busy. He could have been, uh, you know, scrolling prehistoric Facebook, whatever that was. I guess that's a bunch of rock tablets. You just, you know, people send them through the mail. I don't know. He could have done any number of things, but he was committed to living for his purpose. And his purpose was you. Was you. His purpose was single focused. To become our payment so that our sin could be washed away and we could once again be in a relationship with God. So that we can be used by God in everything that we do. And if you came in today and you're just kind of like, how do I know my purpose? How do I find it? The first thing we have to do is get past that bondage, get past those chains, get past that condition of sin that holds us back so that we can rely on Jesus. We can come to him and we can you. He says, he says, anybody who believes in me, I will send to you an advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us everything we need to know, to show us where God wants us to work in this world, to to, to be our kind of life link between us, our heart 
and God. But we can't do that without Jesus. We will never find true purpose without Jesus. We will never find true fulfillment without Jesus. We will never find freedom from our sin without Jesus. And so if you have come in here today and you do not have that kind of relationship with him, uh, Scripture says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Son of God, and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. That's what God says. And so, as we normally do, with every head bowed, we're just going to give everybody an opportunity to make that decision today. And if you haven't, I'm just going to ask that you do, that you surrender your life to him. So if you want to repeat this prayer out loud or in your heart, that's fine. Together as a church, we'll say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died as the payment for my sin. Jesus, I believe you were raised three days later, defeating death. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. And Father God, for anybody who has made a decision to follow Jesus today, we just give you all the glory. We know that you are up there dancing. You say if just one, just one sheep returns back, you are throwing a party up there, God. And so we want to celebrate with you. We want to give you all the glory. We want to give you all the honor. It's not what I've done here. It's your words. It's your Holy Spirit. It's your grace that pulls people in. And we just want to give you the proper due for that, God. We love you so much. We love you so much. And for those of us who kind of might be just stuck trying to figure out what it is that you want us to do. We know you already had a plan. I'm going to ask that you just put it on everybody's heart to spend time in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to show each one of us where we should fit in to your purpose of being your agents of redemption in this world, God. We all have a place. We all have a purpose. We all have a calling. We all have a gift. Help us to realize what that is, God, so that we can live up to your single purpose in this world. And finally, we just ask that you keep everybody safe and healthy until we meet again, God. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together, as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, if we're back online, go ahead and type amen. Um, if you have made a decision today, we would like to know about that. You can put it on a card. You can come talk, talk to me. We would like to just, you know, kind of help you along your path, get you involved with a church that supports that, whether it's this church or another church. 